Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story, and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games With Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Who are the pretenders and who are the contenders? We're more than halfway through the NFL season, but DraftKings Sportsbook is still pumping out unbeatable offers every single game. New customers can bet just five bucks on anything and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get in on all the football action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use code Shannon. New customers can bet just $5 on anything and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only DraftKings Sportsbook with code Shannon. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles in Louisiana, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Is the Jordan-LeBron debate ever going to end? It ain't going to end, but Bron's a go. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why All my life, I've been grinding all my life All my life, been grinding all my life Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price Want a slice, got to roll the dice, that's why All my life, I've been grinding all my life Hello, welcome to another edition of Club Shay Shay. I am your host, Shannon Sharp. I'm also the proprietor of Club Shay Shay. And the guy that's stopping by for conversation on the drink today is one of the most powerful figures in sports. He's a self-made super agent, founder, CEO of Clutch Sports. His agency represents over 200 athletes in multiple leagues. He's negotiated over $4 billion in contracts. He's an entrepreneur, a businessman, and he's from the east side of Cleveland to the top of the sports world. His newest memoir, Lucky Me, a memoir of changing the odds, Rich Paul. 
Rich, how you doing, bro? This is I'm three points. Nope, don't even start. Go ahead, tell you. Go ahead, now. tell your story. Go ahead, I've tell. I've been trying to get on Club Shay Shay, and you skipped over everybody <laughs> but your dog. But it's cool. Don't nah. worry about it. You know what? You know I got my old brand of cognac. I sent you a bottle. I, I know you got it. It's on my shelf. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you bro. didn't let me an investment, but it's fine. I don't. <laughs> don't worry about it. We, to come to get to where you got, to come to where you came from and do it in the class and the manner in which you've done it, and to help those coming behind you to show them, I did it, you can do it. Cheers, bro. Cheers, thank you. Let's let's start with the book. Mm -hmm. Look at me, a memoir of changing the odds. Why was it important for you to write this book? I think it's important because we need as many positive examples positive examples that we as as we can today. Right. And oftentimes it it doesn't have to come in a figure. It can come in a storyline, mm -hmm. a shared experience. And so this book is Lucky Me, but it's really about us. This is a gift from me to to you in terms of whether you youth, where you came from a certain community. It I think everyone aligns with it. The, the people that have been that has been reaching out and the comments that I've been getting from all people. All, right. I was in the gym this morning. Mm -hmm. A man came up to me, he had to be 70 years old. And he just was, you know, he was just floored by the story. Mm -hmm. And and he was just like, man, you know, just more blessings to you. I think that impact is really helpful, right? And for me, I didn't know how much I actually needed to write the book. I was withholding that trauma that I went through for all those years. And I didn't find out that I needed to release that until I was writing the book. Right. And so for me, it's not necessarily about sales, et cetera. If I can help one person change the perspective that I started here, I'm going through this right now, but I see an example of somebody who also went through some of the same things. And I don't have to finish here. I don't have to give up hope on my life. Mm -hmm. I don't have to give up hope on an opportunity that lies ahead. I can take little bits and things of what I do have, not so much focus on what I don't have, but let me focus on what I do have and make the best of that. Just to get to the next step in life is what I deemed important today. And so I'm ecstatic for you to, to get through it all. I know you touched on some of it, mm -hmm. but you know, it's, it, it was, I haven't been able to get through the whole book, bits and pieces, obviously, because it's just such an emotional roller coaster for me. But as we were writing it and as I was, you know, just going You're telling it, telling it, I did the audio book, which was extremely emotional. And at the end, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but at the end, I, I you know, I, I, I do something for my mother right. and um, it's tough. In the book, you mentioned that your dad owned a corner store, convenience store. Yeah. You worked in the store, so by, by that stretch of the imagination, you kind of you kind of get all rich. I mean, you got a little convenience store, you know. Well, we felt like that, <laughs> but that wasn't the truth. Okay, because you got to remember. So the, the store was my was my Savannah State. Okay, okay, that's where I got my curriculum. Mm -hmm. That's where it was at. Right, but I also just I learned math. I learned. Uh, customer service, I learned marketing, but the most important thing I learned was people. Right. 
because there's all walks of life coming into that store. Mm-hmm. And, you know, through the course out through the throughout the course of their day, their energy is different. You know, so you had to be able to balance certain things. I had to learn this at a very young age. Everybody's not happy. Their Everybody's not sad. Somebody became, had a bad day. Yeah. And there probably came your problems. Right. I had to watch my father navigate his way through this to make margins on Boston baked beans and cigarettes and beer and wine. That's not those aren't big margins. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But yet and still his approach to opening that store every morning, how he treated people, whether you had a dollar or a hundred dollars was important. And he explained to me, and there's a chapter in his book um, where, where we talk about just having the empathy for others, where he taught me that this is your family. This is th- th- these customers, these consumers, this is, it's important to take care of them, right? And to treat them a certain way. And it really, affected my life and really shaped me, right? Because I would learn stuff from a textbook, but my education came from that store. Right. I think the thing is, Rich, is, is that empathy, I think empathy is being able to di- divorce your ego, set aside your ego and see yourself as someone else. Uh-huh. And I think when people with like circumstances, it's easier to have empathy because your dad saw himself. He's like, I ain't really rich. So he saw himself and some of these poor, less fortunate, less, have, yeah. less having yeah. than others. And so he could empathize. So was he that type of store owner that, hey, Mr. Paul, how you doing today? Hey, Mr. hey, hey, uh, Savannah, hey, Ricky, hey, yeah. Johnny. Miss Sharp sent you down there, little Shannon. Yeah. You don't got a dime in your pocket, but you need bread. Right. You need soap. Right. You need toilet paper. Well, Miss Sharp sent you. That's all he need to know. Miss Sharp sent because she'd already called before you got there. Right. You, you understand what I'm right. saying? So now when you get there, and then you may be standing there looking, and he may say, What you want, boy? And you say, Man, can I have some of them uh cherry clans? Go yeah, go ahead, take it. You know, and so wow. that that exchange, now you become Shannon. Now you Shannon from such and such. Now here come Lil Rich. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. How my dad treated Shannon. Miss Sharp's grandson at that moment, and now you're Shannon. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Saved my life in a lot of ways. And people don't understand that. And so my dad would always tell me, you once a man, twice a child. And I never understood what that meant. And then he explained it to me right around the age on the cover of that book. And he said, as you climb, as you're born a, a, a child, you grow to become a man. As you get older, you start to become a child again. And how you treated people as a man will have a direct correlation of how they treat you as you become a, a, a child again. And that always stuck with me. And I come from a place where your money didn't matter. Right. That don't matter. Who you are at your core is what matters. And so despite my successes, I always carried that with me even into the representation business, which you and I both know as a former player, that don't exist, mm-hmm. right? And so I brought that with me, and, I, it's, and it's, it's extremely important, and I live with that every day. I read in the book, and it seems to me one of your proudest moments is that the family was struggling, you didn't have a whole lot to eat, and you go ask your uncle, and he gives you $20 out of the register, mm-hmm. and, you go, and you go and hit a lick, yeah. and you were able to go buy 
bread. You was able to go buy a deli meat. We call it lunch meat in yeah. the South. Y'all call, we call it lunch meat. Y'all call lunch okay. meat. Yeah. Okay. I'm coming from Jonesboro, Arkansas. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. we yeah. call it we call it we call it lunch yeah. meat. So you were able to buy some things. And at that moment it dawned on you like, man, it made you feel good. I can provide. Did, was that the moment that you saw because we all have a purpose. Yeah. Same thing happened to me when I would get paid. I would buy, I would you'd give my grandmother $10 or the yeah. $40 that I made. It wasn't much, but it helped buy something. Absolutely. From that moment on, I've been a provider my entire life. My job is to provide for my family. Yeah. Was that the moment that you said, you know what? Rich Paul is a provider. Yeah, because me, my brother and sister, I got two older sisters right. and an older brother. Right. I'm the youngest. But my older sister, Brandy, and my, my older brother, Miko, we lived together. Right. So my mom wasn't there. Okay. My dad had his family. And so there was plenty of times where it was no one there. So we had to do things as a collective. How so much older are they than you? My brother's three years older than my sister, five years old. Okay. But you know, seven and 12... And t that's, that, I mean, you know, that's that's a big jump yeah, in, in sure. terms of responsibility, yes, right? Yes. And so I watched my sister babysit other people's kids and then, you know, take her money and I would go to the mall with her. That's how I learned fashion. My sister taught me about clothes. She, she made that bug bite me mm -hmm. for clothes and all that. And then I watched my brother do what he had to do. And so I had to play my part. And so when I was able to do so, like you said, whether it was that, whether it was shooting jump shots and not having no money and had to make it to win and going to 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 get the, you know, I used to buy the juice, the lunch meat, because my mother taught us how to do this a couple pound of lunch meat, the juice, and then we would get the bread or whatnot. You said you're going through the juice too quick, so I had to get the Kool-Aid. Kool exactly. <laughs> I had to get the Kool-Aid because it was going too fast. We had to stretch it, you know, and so and so. But but when I when I I felt like you said I felt good as a young kid and I'm going to I went to a school called Upson mm -hmm. in Euclid Ohio okay I'm in the fourth grade and I remember this adding to the calls right. in the fourth grade and I didn't have nobody to to say to you you better be going to school it was a decision that I had to make that I wanted to make at a very young age and so did my siblings. But there was also times where I used to walk the parking lot. We had a, it was a place called the Americana. Mm -hmm. My dad had a little, we called it the honeycomb hideout. He had a little honeycomb hideout that we had to take over, right? Because we had nowhere to go. But I would walk and pick up a quarter here, a dime here. And it was a little bar next to the, another apartment complex called the Horizon House back then. It was a little bar and grill and they would have these cheeseburgers. And you, and as a kid, you can go in there before a certain time and order from the grill and you know, and that, and, and that's how I would eat some days, you know? And so all those things though shape me. I don't look at that as a negative thing and it was a struggle, but I didn't know it as much. Right. Cause I didn't know anything per se different. And with, and because everybody around you was probably going through the same thing, yeah. you didn't think you were any different cause everybody else was struggling. Too. Because you know what separates you at that point, you could be struggling and have a new pair of shoes on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it elevated you. So those things, I always had the right. things, right? But what I didn't have is that family infrastructure, that consistency in the household. I didn't have that. But 
what I was able to control, I controlled. Just because I didn't have X didn't mean I was going to sit in class and be a dummy. I wasn't going to follow the class clowns. I wasn't going to do abacadabra on my tests just because, you know, I wanted to be in school. I didn't want to miss school. And that showed a lot about me as a person. The things didn't make me. That was, you know, because I can makeshift. My sister taught me how to makeshift things where you can go to TJ Maxx and get a Ralph Lauren. It may be a little defective. Yeah, 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 you yeah, get yeah, some, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and, and wear just the same. And so I learned those little things to feel good because, you know, when you don't have much, especially back then, the littlest things make elevated you, make the biggest difference. Right. And so that was that was important to me. But I also knew then the responsibility of right from wrong at that at that point. And that's what I was about to get to. Um, you said, OK, I'm a hustler. Mm -hmm. I roll dice, try to hit a lick. Shoot pool, I shoot jumpers, Car, jumpers, horseshoes, play, play do, do tunk, what, whatever, casino, I'm, race, whatever you wanted to do, bet. You didn't <laughs> want to do it, but you didn't go. The, a lot of times kids like, well, I didn't really have a choice, so I had to go this route. You never. Not then. When I made those choices, I understood because I had the influence in front of me. Mm -hmm. So I sat on the porch until it's when I jumped off the porch, it was because of survival. Cause you know, when you have an entrepreneurial spirit in the hood, what's your options? Right. What's your op what's your real opportunity? Right? The lady who took that picture, we called her picture lady. She would that was her that was her her hustle. She would have a Polaroid and she would come on the block and she turned our best outfits into pictures. Mm -hmm. That was art. She could have been Dina Lawson. That was art. She could have been uh, she, that could have been Instagram, but nobody's coming. Nobody recognized what she was doing and recognized the business of it and say to her, you ever thought about this and let me invest in that. Everybody on the right of me had a hustle. Everybody on the left of me had a hustle. The person in front of me had a hustle and the person in back of me had a hustle. There's no careers. There's no great job. There's no equity positions. You, you get what I'm saying? There's no VC. There's none of that. I didn't even know what that meant. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so understanding what it means today is different. But when I look back on it, it, the only difference between me or someone like me and anybody else in the world that has been an innovator, a genius, uh, uh, you know, created something and built it and grew it, they had the opportunity, the option, and someone willing to support. We don't have that. So we had to turn to what was placed in our environment. Now, some people did it and they did it with malice. They did it with whatever. Mm -hmm. That was never me. My intent was always, I always tried to find the right even within doing wrong. That makes sense. Yeah. What's the most money you like roll? You say you like rolling dice. So what's the most you, you made in a day and the I, most you lost? When? What age? <laughs> Cause see, cause see, you gotta understand. So, something. what age did you start rolling dice? About seven or eight. Okay. See, my dad taught me the the reason why my dad taught me how to. He taught me and my siblings how to gamble, shoot dice, and play cards. It wasn't from a gambling perspective. It was from a survival perspective because he said to us, "These are the tools. These were his exact words. These are the tools that would allow you to get from here to here." If you get laid off on this job, 
to get to the next job, you're going to need some time to get by. Here's some things you can do right. to get by. I turned it into my job, you know, because I got I, I got infatuated with it, you know, and and, and so because it's quick, easy money. Because yeah, you see, because hey, every role money's yeah, moving, and, and, and and that's the thing, and every and so I and so my dad would take me to the family reunion, and you know, once the drink you hit the cousins and the uncles up. Oh, oh, come would, on, Rich. Oh, I'd be grandma out the money. It don't matter. Oh, come Whoever on, Rich. For real? You be granny. You took granny money. You I'd don't be, granny take the money out the bosom. She ain't got like five dollars. I beat your grandma out the money. My grandma out the money. Whoever got the money, I want it. I'm beating them out the money. You ain't have to worry about that. Because <laughs> that's what it was. But right. See, there's no, when you start gambling, there is no age limit. No. When you, if you got money, you in play. You in, the you game. in play. As yeah. soon as you put that money, and ain't no, oh, I didn't mean to do that. Cause you know, and when we was back in the day, we used to catch the dollar. Oh, yeah, yeah. We had to cut that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know somebody doing this. They catch it 15 times a year. You seen what I did? I did, I did like this. Man, <laughs> yeah. what you did? <laughs> man, what you talking so about? So that's universal, man. That be on some bullseye. We, so we so when I was young, we totally cut catching out. Okay. There's no more catching. Right. Now, that does a number of things. Yeah, it opens the game up, it speeds it up. But then you got the slicksters coming in. Right. So now you have to match that sickness. So now it's, 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 it was, you know, it's a free-for-all. Free so we had spots, right? And so the best way for me to equate it, DuPont was like Madison Square Garden or the Staples Center. Mm -hmm. That's where all the, everybody, was. those are the big game. That was the big game. The average role in that game was probably about thousand dollars row wow you know and it's and it's the who's who you know mm -hmm. everywhere so when you so as a young kid being allowed to be in that game you know that's like a, a rookie yeah. starting that's like a rookie making all nba team but you know rich when that kind of money is involved people got them things on them they got them switches well, we ain't, they ain't had that back then. <laughs> but yeah, no, no. But th th that was necessary. But, but you know that. that Cause you know, so, cause you know, money, money does stay to people, but, especially if I lose a big hand. Yeah, but but I'm gonna tell you something about these specific areas. And every now and then you had issues, but not like it would be today. Okay. There was a lot more respect. Right. But back then it was just different because, again, when I talk about the who's who, there ain't even no conversation. That's no go. Period. Mm -hmm. You knew that. That was a, that, you know, it was a respect and a rapport. And, but at the same time, you know, it, it, it was things that got a little chippy yeah. here and there, but it started with these. Oh, folks. yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you got enough love. Yeah, you yeah. wasn't doing Yeah, you wasn't, you, you wasn't, you wasn't cleaning up. But again, but we had, so we had the hut. The hut wasn't, the hut was like, you know, the hut was like the United Center, mm -hmm. right? And then Forest Hill Pool, see at Forest Hill Pool, that was again, that's like the Staples Center or the or or the or the garden because that's where all everybody come there, man. They in their Diamantes with the Vogues on them, they Porsches, <laughs> they got the Gator sandals on with a fresh pedicure, and they pop a Don Perry. This is what I come up on. So as a kid, I'm seeing guys pop the trunk with they got a case of Don Perry on. So as we get older, when we get 14, 15, I didn't even drink, but that's what we wanted. Right. They, my friend, we, cases of Moet, cases of Dom, you know, going to Blue Point for dinner and stuff like that as young men. Because right. we, because we're hanging with 45 year old right. men that's teaching us this. And so I was never really allowed to be a, a child per se. But the game was given. That's why the seat I sit in today, 
I got to give the game because it was given to me. Been to a have a dice game recently? No. You, you, skip, you don't have dice game because you know some some players no. like to play cards and have, you know with yeah, their buddies. Yeah. Now you can't have outside because they're gonna try to sleep. They're yeah. gonna bring the crooked dice no, up into the loaded dice that that that, that, nah. that roll the ten nah. or four all day. I, I would love to in a in an environment because you know you like to be in yeah, the barbershop. Yeah. You like to be. In, yeah. You know we just love that part yes. of it. But it's just too dangerous. It's too dangerous. Too dangerous. I, I yeah. won't do it today. But but amongst. Friends, right. if they would, but now all my friends, they need their back. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't be, you know, you can't be, you can't be shooting dice for eight hours because you know we they need they got to go out and score forty five. You know you can't do that. So it's a, it's a different dynamic now. Right. But they love it. Right. You know, but but again, but just the house, the gambling house, the characters within the gambling house, the teachings within the gambling house. See, we had to learn by losing. That's how we learn mm -hmm. by losing. These kids today, they want to skip every step in the process, and they don't work. They just win, win, win. No, it don't work. They want to take it, you know. Eventually, yeah, yeah, for, yeah. Su for sure. You were raised by your grandparents, and you said that when you, in the book I read in the book where you went to live with your grandparents, your granny was really strict. Most grandparents are. Mm, mm, mm. Detail. You were like all was kind of like like damn. Well, it was the first time I ever had my own room. When I moved with my grandma Johnny May. It was the first time I ever had my own room. Right. You know, and I'm looking around, I can't believe it. But it's me, it's Johnny, my grandma Johnny Mae, my grandma Campbell, my uncle Charlie. Now, they are, these are on my father's side. My great grandmother, all she ate was Wrigley's gum. <laughs> so when I would come home from my dad's store, she she ate spearmint, big, not big red, because it was too hot. Right. Spearmint. Uh, double mint and uh, juicy fruit because wasn't no winter fresh then yeah. yet. Yeah. And my grandma Paul, the only thing she ate was peanut M and M's. My uncle Charlie went to see his girlfriend one one day out the week. He leave at ten o'clock on Tuesday. He come back at eleven o'clock on Wednesday. He wear a white shirt, hat. Stacy Adams, you could eat off the car. It was so clean, but he was so detailed at. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. Psh. I'm Tony Cam Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. 
I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with Big Poppy. They ran sucks in 2004, bounced back after the 3-0. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Dial of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 10 o'clock, don't matter what the game, the game could be in overtime. When that clock strikes 10 o'clock, if you're sitting outside my house, you can see him going up the stairs to get in the bed. This is what, so I know I don't use alarm clock right now to this day because my grandmother get up every day at 3.30 in the morning. Babe, my, her mom, then she go downstairs and, you know, do what she need to do. She, she washing and she cooking at the same time. Then I get up at 5.30. My dad's picking me up. We open the store at 6. Every, that was my routine every morning. Wow. You said your mom struggled with addiction mm -hmm. when you were a child. Um, what impact did that have on you not having heard the mother, we know what the mother brings to the family. Yeah. The matriarch. What did what did that do to a young rich? Loss of emotion and vulnerability, you know, because you in order for you to love something, you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable. I had to wipe that out because it affected me in a way in which I love my mother. Loved my mother. When she was around Life for the party. You could smell the food coming from down the hall. Oh, you would have been, you you would have been so overweight. <laughs> oh my God! Cakes, pies, chocolate pie, cherry pie, peach cobbler, banana pudding. I mean, it was the work. It was unbelievable, unbelievable. But you know, I didn't have that. I'm only getting that for two, three days at a time. I may, I may be without it for six months, six, seven months at a time. And I just had to to understand, my, and the way my dad put it to me, it was a sickness. So I had to just understand it and move on. But it was tough, you know, because parent-teacher conference, I look in the stands, I'm at my games, homecoming, you know, whatever the case may be. 
she ain't there, but I'm always, I was always in somebody else's car with their parents or at somebody else's house with their parents, you know, holidays and things like that. It was always that. And so it could break you, but it didn't break me. Mentally, I was able to overcome it and you would never know. You would never know what I was without. What you were dealing with. Oh, you would never, you would never know that because I didn't wear it on my jacket. You said earlier that some of the things that you, when you started writing this book, you didn't realize how much trauma you had endured. And as you started to write, it became very emotional. And in the audio books, it really, audio portion, it yeah. really started. Was this the me. main reason why? Yeah. Because, you know, you relive in those moments. You get extremely emotional. You know, I lost both of my parents at such a young age, 19 and 36. Lost my mom at 36, lost my dad at 19. And, you know, just reliving those moments, man, it's tough. And I know what kids go through today because there's, you could be, my dad wasn't present, but he was present, right? He didn't live with me, but he was present. Mm -hmm. My mother wasn't there, but I had so much respect for her that the time I did get to spend with her I spent it. It was never a place of, didn't, I never came from a place of anger. Yeah. I never came from a place of disrespect. And by the way, even if I wanted to come from a place of disrespect, my mother could throw down. So she ain't going for that anyway. <laughs> You're going to get your lip flat, flat yeah. for sure. So, but I never even came right. like that. You understand what I'm saying? And so, but when I was writing the book, and especially when I was doing the audio book, when I got to the end where I write this message to my mom, it really choked me. You only get one mom, man. That's it. You get one mother. And I try to explain that to my clients today. The way our industry is today, sometimes it becomes a joust amongst families. And it's very important for everyone within the family to have perspective and to have clarity. The agent for many years had a black cloud over that title that was considered somebody that was shady or somebody that was, it was a gray area there. I wanted to change that. The, the, the fortunate thing is I have been able to change it somewhat. The unfortunate thing has been, and we talked about it, is that you still wake up every day. I can't change the color of my skin. And as tough as it is with the industry, we make it even tougher on ourselves because there's still a competition. And don't get me wrong, when you when you going out and recruiting clients, yeah, you're competitive. So, but there's but a, you're not speaking ill. You're not speaking negatively on no, someone. And that's the thing to yeah. the best to, the, no. to the, the best man win, best Absolutely. man woman win the job. Yes, yes. So I'm not, but I'm not gonna say, oh, this person is this, that person is that to try to conjure up so the 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 the, the athlete feels some type of way. Yeah, yeah. You, hey, this I'm is what I can that, provide. Yeah. This is what I believe. I'm the best man for the job, the, yeah. my agency, and I think we can do the best job for the, you moving forward. And that's the point I was making when we talked about it when we when we did first take. The point I was making was, of course, I didn't expect white agents to help to try to help me. I, right. that, didn't, that wasn't even an expectation. Right. Right. But coming from where I came from, the game was given by the older guys. Right. Whether you decided to digest it or not was on you. But I can't sit here and say 
that my coattail wasn't pulled to certain things to help me get through the day, get through the, the month, get through the year of survival. So that's all I know. I only, I, I gotta give that back. When I started, that wasn't the case. And I seen people online like, oh, well, you didn't say that. I'm like, you're missing the point. Right. Did you reach out? Did you, I, I mean, I don't need to call any names, but did you reach out to any agent? Uh, uh, any? When I first started the business, I talked to everybody because I wanted to understand why are things the way they are. And what I came to understand is ain't no different in the block. Every man for themselves, that's a, that's a, that, that, that has been placed upon us from a thought process. But what happens is when you create those, that psychology, it stunts the growth, it stunts the communication habits, it stunts. I should have came up under something that was already built. Right, that's normally how it happens. Agencies, they normally come up in a big agency and then they branch out on their own. I you started differently. I you started, started out on your own. I started differently. I, I started at a place, but I don't even count that because there was no education there. Right. There was no there was no plan for me to become who I am today. But what I started to realize is, oh, you, you know, we work in a small industry, so things get back. Yes. The only difference is, the kid on the cover of that book in that environment when things get back oh we had we pulling up you get what i'm saying in this industry when someone goes and 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 speaks about you speaks in a very de derogatory way for two hours ain't that much to say now the business is the business competition is in all business but when you make it personal that's a different dynamic mm -hmm. like prime said you made it personal Right. But but we couldn't do that. I, I you know, I it's not in me. I couldn't be trying to talk to a girl and mention Shannon. We don't that's no that, go that, where I'm from. No we don't we don't do that. And so but I'm in this game where I left a game that was being played with no rules and no rest. But you understand that. Yes. But in the corporate setting. It really ain't no it, there's rules. But the refs are assigned to the establishment in a lot of cases. I had to learn that. I had to learn narratives. I had to learn how media works. I had to learn all these things. And I also had to learn that the smiles is not really the smiles. But I was used to that because I came from that. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was prepared thoroughly for the position I'm in today. It's just that it's hard for me to respect it. That's all. Football season is well underway. The baseball postseason is here. New basketball and hockey seasons are upon us. While we love watching our favorite teams on television, there's nothing better than being at the game live and in person. And I think I know a little something about that. The best way to get tickets to any of these games is on Game Time, the fastest growing ticket app in the U.S. Game Time is the only ticket app that gives you peace of mind with your purchase. They let you see the view from where your seats are before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. They're all in price, show total upfront, so you know you always are getting the best deal. And it takes no time at all. You can buy tickets in seconds with two taps. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, redeem code SHAYSHAY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, download the Game Time app, enter the code SHAYSHAY. That's SHAYSHAY, S-H-A-Y-S-H-A-Y for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute ticket price, lowest price guaranteed. You love sports coming up. Your team, Loved it. Yeah. basketball, 
Uh, your team won the state title. Uh-huh. How good of an athlete was Rich Paul? On a scale of one to ten, depending on the year. If you're talking about ages, <laughs> seven. <laughs> if you're talking about look, so that look, age seven, listen up, hold up. Age seven to twelve, I was about an eight. Because everybody is just kind of saying. Yeah, about an eight or nine. Everybody the same height, same age, same Yeah, same I got time. the tape. Go look at the tape. Okay. okay. I got the tape. Okay. Pull the tape. We won, we won in that. We won the city championship. I won MVP. I did the interview. I thanked my teammates. Everything. Okay. But then once I got into high school, it changed. But it also changed because I didn't put in the work. See, I'm down at the hut. They gambling. I'm missing something. You know, we got a big dice game. You shaking And we got ball. a summer league game at Euclid. I show up at halftime. That ain't right, man. <laughs> but, I, you know, I'm down 4,500. I got to get back. <laughs> got to get my get back. Yeah, yeah. Got to get my leak back. Bro. I had to. But so I just took the bitter with the sweet. I understood it, right? right? But as I talk about this, me not starting on my team didn't discourage me from being a part of the team. I was a part of a great team. I had great teammates. And... I was on the second team every day in practice, and we made the first team work. Right. Sometimes we would beat the first team. Sometimes I would get in the game. Sometimes I wouldn't get in the game at all. Right? And I look up in the stands. I sit my brother there. Some die. Nobody in my family really cared about sport, but my brother would be there sometimes. My dude would be there off the block sometimes and would support. But it was okay because I understood my position. I understood my role. But when we leave out this locker room, now it's my turn to be the man. Right. And that's all. Fair shame. There never been no robbery. You know what I'm saying? It's all, it's so you, all good. So you had after the game, you headed back down to the block, go shake the thing. Oh, we headed somewhere. You know, I may have some. If my dudes came to the game, they didn't come to the game for the game. They came to the game because where we going after the, the game. game? Yeah, and we would go down certain places, but but I respected my teammates. You know, we we and and I enjoyed it. I played against Mike Gansey, who's a um, he's GM of the Cavs now. Okay. Um, a lot of guys that we played against, Steve Logan, Clan, uh, Sam Clancy, a lot of guys that was that was top guys. Mm-hmm. We loved it. We loved the game. We played same thing. Sam same Clancy, man. Uh, he played football, right? His dad. Okay. His son played for USC. Okay. They all played for a team called St. Edwards. Okay. I went to Cleveland Benedictine. Okay. But Glenville was my neighborhood high school. Right, okay. That was pretty Tech good. Tech and junior. Yeah. But on the basketball side, it was pretty good. Uh, we played with uh, St. Vincent St. Mary every year. We had a we had a big time schedule. I won the, and I'm really close with uh, a family in Columbus, Shadenstein family in Columbus, and we. I won the last state championship in St. John's, and the first state championship in the shot on Ohio State's campus. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when you when you plan in it. You don't know, and then you meet the family whose name is on the arena. You know all these right. things, just how life takes you. But I was a, I was a pretty good athlete. I will say this, and laugh if you want to. I'm one of the best shooters, though, even still to this day. And I take my chance. If I was in the one of 450, I'd be at the top. It's guys like me, Steph, Clay, Clay who? Thompson. Who else is gonna be? Dang. Steph. Man, talk about he shoot like if you talking if you just talking shooting. This is the class I'm in. Y'all going down to the gun range? That kind of shooting? No, or you man. talking about basketball into a rim? Trey, Darius Garland. I'm just talking about guys in the league right now that shoot the three really well. I oh, would I'm, be amongst. Oh no, I'm saying you. 
I'm, I'll be amongst the. And, and see, Rich, the we was having a good. See, we was having a good old interview. I mean, it was going well. I really the story that you was telling because it's very similar to no, mine. I'm just saying, but I'm talking about in terms of. I didn't say dribbling, playing. I said shooting. That's all I said. The mere fact that you put in yourself, Rich. You well, if you're talking legends, you got to throw Reggie in there and Ray. It's all of us. Well, I'm, that's, in there. My point is, you're putting yourself in that group. That, I ain't got no problem with the names you mentioned. It's just the fact that your name is in there. In terms of shooting. I don't care what it is. Well, yeah. I, feel, I, got, feel, I feel good about it. And I ain't drinking. I'm not drinking no yak. I'm drinking water. I, no, you should drink some more because you, you used too sober to be saying something like that. I need a reason why you said some bullshit like that. I'm sorry. Why were you saying some police like that? Well, I'm just telling the truth. I, I put it this way. You know, when two men got discrepancy, what's the next word? Ben. Exactly. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. Okay. That's the only way for you to find out. I want you to tell the people what you told us before we came on here. I said, you play sports. You like, you know, we'll get into that. So yeah, I'm football. I can run some routes. Just go ahead. Yeah, I was a good route runner. I played every position, man. But I'm not saying I was the best. Because I was, I'm the first to say to you, no, I was not the best on my team. I wasn't the best on any team I ever played on. But you know what I was great at? Leadership. Having perspective. Okay. okay. I, right? Corralling the guys, helping them understand the moment, what needs to take place. My practice habits. I'm leading the, leading the, the team when we run in the laps. Because I, 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 I can respect that. Because yeah. I was expecting you to come out here and say, yeah, man, I, I could have, if, if I'd have grew like another five or six no, inches, I no. probably could have played the NFL. No, we don't do no, but one thing about it, you got, we don't do no bunch of lying. <laughs> we don't do no bunch of lying. Ain't no need to be getting on here talking about no lying. Because <laughs> all somebody's going to do is pull up the tape. <laughs> so I don't need you to do none of that, no. Right. So, college, high school, you did what you, like you said, you weren't no dummy. No. Pretty yeah, smart. You, Very smart. Yeah. Attentive in class. Make sure I got my homework. Because at that point in time in high school, did you know the, kind of the direction that you wanted to go Not in at all. when you became an adult? Not at all. Not at all. So, I thought I was going to be a pro until my father told me I wasn't in ninth grade. I read in the book that you said you used to like drinking coffee. I did. And then your dad told you that coffee started your growth and you stopped. But you might have stopped a little bit too late because... Yeah, I was drinking black, drinking the coffee black. Yeah. But do you later realize that coffee don't start to grow? I didn't know what to believe. You know, they could sell sell ice cream back then, anything. I didn't know what to believe. (laughs) And you started drinking tea. So you're in in high school. You you graduate high school. What's Rich Paul's next plan? I I wanted to go to college. I did go to college. I went to college, and my dad was still alive. My dad stressed education so much. I just wanted to further my education. Okay. Nobody in my family went to college, right? So I, I went to college and I did everything on my own. I remember pick, picking the college I wanted to go to, going to guidance counselor, you know, going to my, uh, you know, my uh, orientation, mm-hmm. right? And seeing the dorm and all that. I had no, my, my dad or mom didn't come on this stuff with me. I did it by myself, you know? And, um, but unfortunately my, my, my freshman year of college, uh, around September, my dad got sick. My dad got really sick. And I remember the conversation I had with my dad because I was talking to him about some books I had to order. And he had this, this attitude about it. And my dad never had an attitude about education. But he didn't tell me anything. My Uncle Joe had to tell me what was going on and my, you know, my sister. And so, and it, and it just, it just happened so fast. And so I had to transfer 
to be closer to my dad. And I would, that's when I went to Cleveland State. And then, um, man, it'd be some days I'd be driving to class and I would just turn around and go sit with my dad because I didn't know how long I was going to have with him. Right. And, you know, and that was a tough, tough thing for me. How did you balance that, knowing that, that death is on the horizon for you? Dad? Yeah. While all the while, but, but I still got to live. Yeah. My dad used to always tell us, though, I ain't going to be here forever. He used to tell us that. My dad didn't sugarcoat anything because life didn't sugarcoat anything. Right. And the store was on that corner. And when you stepped out on that corner, you was a part of the environment. And so at that time, anything could happen. Right. And so that's how he prepared us. And so it was tough, though. It was tough. But um, I got through it. But it was it was it was tough. But I. I I'm glad I did spend those days. And some days I would just go and just sit next to his bedside, mm -hmm. you know? You say, I read where you said that the streets was your Morehouse, was your Harvard. Mm -hmm. That the knowledge that you got to deal with people in business on a corporate level, on a, on a higher side now, yeah. all that information you didn't get from books. You didn't get from no. a college. You no. got it from the streets from and the dealing streets. with people in the streets, dealing with people in your dad's convenience. Yes. Yeah. Because... To me, and that's why when they brought up the Rich Paul rule, I didn't think that made any sense, especially working in the business that I've been working in. We're in the service industry. You don't learn how to service people from a textbook. You learn that through experience. Right. And when I was out there, that was my experience at my dad's store, dealing with people, seeing the pitfalls and challenges. And I realized something. You can learn so much from, from someone telling you their failures. Because everybody want to know what's, what what should they be success, doing. Successful. Right. But you also should want to know what you shouldn't be doing. It's so much in, in to learn from what not to do. And so that's how we learn. We had to learn the silhouettes of people. We had to learn cars. We had to learn how to just dif diffuse uh, situations. Like I talk about my friend Cactus in, this, in the book. And it was a situation. This is my friend. He lived on the next street, Edmonton, Woodside. And I told the story, not because today, me, and currently he's incarcerated, but when he get out, not because we, we won't be friends, because we, we were friends. But as a young black man, you don't always understand how to communicate, right? You don't want to be judged because you always are being what? Judged. Yeah. And so what that does is it causes you to act even despite you not wanting to act a certain way. So I tell this story about what, what took place with us. And I had to understand the position that he was in and I had to pivot. So therefore he wouldn't be in a position where he had to act even on something he probably would have regretted down the road. Right. And so that's all I was, the reason I told that because it's the same way today. Everybody's, Everybody's committing things, an act, because they don't want to be judged or they don't, they don't know how to communicate something to someone else. And so, you know, two, a two-minute decision costs them 20 years of their life. Right. And we, it's too much of that. How did you decide to go into the line of work that you're currently in? It was organic. I love sports. I love fashion. I love people. Um, I played the game. I watched every game. I played every sport, did Taekwondo, box, gymnastics, football, baseball, basketball. And uh, 
all my friends played sports for the most part. And then I had another half that, you know, we was kind of split down the middle. And so as I, you know, as I was getting into the jersey business, I'm selling the jerseys, again, it's just sports and culture is all the same. It's like it intersects. And I never planned on being an agent, but I always had this ability to connect with people. I knew the game. I know the game. I could talk football. I could talk basketball. I could talk baseball, right? And so as I started to see what representation looked like, I started to understand that it was, in a lot of ways, it was surface deep. There was a perception that the agent should look like this. And then from that perception, there was an opportunity given to others, right? And so now that game was started to be played. Your agent has to look like this. There was a narrative that it has to, he had to be a lawyer or whatnot. And then on the flip side, they have a relationship with the shoe company or whatever. And the shoe company understands the players coming in. They know what they have and what they don't have. They're giving that information to one or two or three individuals only. And then here they come. And because of, because of the perception of them and how they looked, the families deemed them to be what? Educated, better positioned, smart, all these different things. And then when I got behind the walls, I'm like, well, that's fool's gold because they don't know our culture for sure. So when I'm doing a shoe deal, if I have a signature athlete, there's some things that you need to know to better position that person. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why certain decisions was made for certain athletes because that, that, that representation didn't know cool, right? Right. And didn't know culture, but we tend to skip over that and not value certain expertise because it's not packaged a certain way. See, this is packaged. When you look at the best brands in the world, their packaging matters, right? Our packaging automatically was discredited from day one. So now I had to work around that. Right. So started clutch. You say, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna start my own company. Yeah. What was your thought process behind starting Man, your own company? I was so motivated. I was in a position where, you know, you could just feel when somebody trying to play you. And I wasn't that type of guy. I, I was never dependent of somebody. I was always, I knew how to get on my own. own. Yeah. Um, and so it wasn't no challenge for me to leave the agency I left. And I, and I wasn't really like, you know, they would tell you, oh, it was planned or we positioned like that's all bullshit. No, it wasn't. It wasn't planned. I had an issue. The issue wasn't being resolved. And oftentimes when someone, quote unquote, feels like they. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team. A driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. Psh. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two, because as it turns out, 
F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, you... he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big top. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0. We never win a chicken dinner, homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton, and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons, lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Gave you an opportunity. Mm -hmm. You should forever be indebted to, indebted to them. But I'm like, no, you can, you can. I mean, I understand the idea of the opportunity, but it didn't. It, it came because I was somebody's friend. We had to. We have to learn to start being a slave to loyalty. Yeah, and I'm like somebody gives us an opportunity, and we feel forever indebted, although things are not going the way that they should. Nah, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, but 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 my thing is, it, it, you know, the opportunity of of what entirely. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, yeah, there's an opportunity. But what's the plan? Right. There was no plan. Mm -hmm. The plan is it's just all good as long as somebody else is happy. I, I never want to be in that in that position. And and it was all good. I played the role. I played the role. And I was doing my thing. Right. I started to get talent. I started beating guys out. And I wasn't even a registered agent. And I was beating guys out. 
right? And they didn't know how. Nobody really knew how, but I had a connectivity. Right. And so when I, when I seen that I can actually do it, I decided, and once I seen I can actually do it, and this didn't feel good, and I'm seeing what's transpiring, I'm like, I'm out. I, it, wasn't, it wasn't a plan. It was May conversation. Shit. By, by, by August, my mind was already made up. Regardless. I, and I didn't care if LeBron stayed. I didn't care who stayed. I was out. And I had to, and I had the mentality that I was going to build it. It just so happened that they left with me. You and know I was that's appreciative what, of that. You know what you know. I'm not breaking. I'm not interrupting your normally scheduled programming to break news to you. You know what's being said. You know what was said. Mm -hmm. He got LeBron James. So it wasn't that he was good at what he does. Is that he just had the best player in the NBA, and everybody says, okay, if he. He's that LeBron trust him. I'll trust him also. Well, that's BS because it actually goes the other way in a lot of cases. It's, it's more challenging, at least for me. Now, when they have it or have him or if you got this person, it's, it's a different dynamic. You can use your client list and it's to, it's to your benefit. Others. It's to your benefit. But when it's me and it's my client list or I got the, 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 the stars, it's, it's a detriment that comes with that. People don't understand. It's like, oh, you had LeBron, it should be easy. No, it's actually harder. You know right. why it's harder? Because we come from a place where there can only be one king. Our environment teaches us to always be competitive. There's no collaboration. There's no communication. You know, there's no connectivity that's there. There's no compounding of anything. So right. it actually becomes harder. And by the way, I've lost clients because of this. The person next to them feel like they're in competition with me. So, no, I'm not even in that space. You're not in competition with me. I, the position I'm in right now, I could do anything for anybody within reason. And I wanna do that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, competing with other agents. I'm not competing with young uh, up and coming people that, that have a, a, a guy that wanna be position and empowered. I want to empower you, but they're putting out there, oh, well, you know, Rich ain't going to do this. Rich ain't gonna. See for yourself. I don't need the peanut gallery. See for yourself. And if there's a conversation that makes sense, and if it makes business sense, then we can do business. But at the end of the day, it's, it's actually, it works the other, for me. It works against you. It works against you in a lot of ways. Now, in some cases, it does work for you. Don't get me wrong. There, when, you, when you have the, the, the talent that we have at our company, you can't deny that. But yet and still, unfortunately, we have to break down psych the psych psychological barriers of, oh, I, I, I come from it. Right. When I was young selling candy and pop and beer and wine at my dad's store, some people chose not to, to patronize with us because in their mind, if I spend my money with, with Rich, then little Rich get the Jordans. And I don't have them. So God was already preparing me for this position I'm in now. So when I see it, it don't even bother me. When do you remember? Did you know who LeBron was when you first met him? And what was your first impressions when you did uh, meet him? Yeah, our high schools played against each other okay. every year. Yeah. 
So myself and Maverick, we, we played against each other every year. It's mandatory. Football, basketball, right. baseball. Mm -hmm. Our high schools played against each other every year. Braun wasn't yet Braun. They had won before, but he wasn't on the cover of Sports Illustrated. But I knew I know every kid. Right. I knew every kid because I'm I go to games, mm -hmm. all that. Um and my impression was he asked me a question about what I had on. My energy was nice enough, not because I was looking for something in return. And that's another thing. Our environment teaches us if you give me something, I, I get I gotta get something in return. Right. That's why we never build anything. That's why everyone wants to be the talent, because the talent brings forth fortune and fame. No one ever thinks about building or no one, no one ever thinks about playing a different role within the ecosystem of physical therapists, you know, analysts, GM, etc. There's a lot of roles to play right. within the ecosystem, but that's not the popular role right. to play. And that's why everybody can't be Shannon Sharp. Mm -hmm. Just just can't. Everybody ain't gonna wear that yellow jacket and go up in Canton. But my jacket could be a different, it may not be yellow, but that's for the Hall of Fame. But I, I got a jacket on. Right. You, you understand what I'm saying? I so do. that's always been my mentality. Why is it such a problem? Is that, you know, Phil Knight, Jeff Bezos, you look at some of the greatest men in the, in the world, Talk wealthiest men in yeah. the world, women, have had someone believe in them. But it seems to be a problem that LeBron, I don't know, and you don't have to, to address this, I don't know if he invested money, but I know he invested an opportunity. Yeah, LeBron never gave me a dime. And that was the, that's what they wanted to put out there. Right. But they didn't say that about Jeff Swartz. They didn't say that about Aaron Tellum. They didn't say that about Mark Bartlestein. They didn't, they didn't say those things. Right. Right? They, what you think happened with them? Did they just, what you think happened? Mm -hmm. You get what I'm saying? And I respect those guys. But th but that's not what's being said. Right. You get what I'm saying? Is when they have the top player, that player don't have to own a piece of their business for them to represent them. That player is representing them. They're represented by that 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 player is represented by that person because that person is deemed to be capable of doing the job. Of doing the job. Same for me. Same for me. Right. I want to know this. After Dan Gilbert said what the hell he said, yeah, he wrote what he wrote. Yeah, said LeBron quit, put that thing up in the paper. Yeah. How in the hell did you convince LeBron to take his ass back to Cleveland? Legacy. About legacy, man. We come from a place where two brothers shoot at each other and sleep in the same bed. What are we gonna What are we gonna set that for? We gonna put that over your legacy? When you first told LeBron, hey, LeBron, check this out, bro. For your legacy, yeah. I think you ought to go back to Cleveland yeah. with a title. What did LeBron say? What was his exact words to you? He was open-minded. <laughs> he was open-minded, but he wasn't the first person I had a conversation. I had to have a conversation with, you know, we were close. Yeah. So I, Savannah and Unglow and Mav and Randy, we had a we talked about it. And, but this was, but again, when you talk about, this is my job. This is the role I play. So before you talk to Brian, you talk to Savannah, yeah. you talk to Glow, you talk to Mav. In addition to talking to LeBron, right. I talk to everybody. Right. Um, How does Savannah feel? <laughs> well, we you know, man, man, we've been down like four fat tires for so she understood where I because I, I have a perspective on it. Right. Right. And I don't make it about me. Right. What I'm saying is in terms of legacy. Right. Right. And we, 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 we identified the talent that was currently on the team. And it wasn't about winning. I didn't know they was going to go to the finals in the first year. That was, that was, all I was saying was there's an opportunity. 
And if you're able to win, it's a wrap. Right. Nobody, forget anything else. If you win a championship for the city of Cleveland and the Cleveland Cavaliers, I don't care what anybody get on any media uh, platform and say, it don't even matter. Right. From that point on, it's all uphill. How receptive was his mom, Gloria? Coming from me, she understood it. She understood it. And she's going to support what he support. Right. She understood it. So, she's like a mom to me. So I, when I come, I barely come. But when I do, I, I barely come to the table with anything. When I do come to the table with something, they know it's serious. Because I'm not coming to the table just for the sake of coming to the table. Right. I'm coming to the table. I've I thought this through. I've strategized it. I, you know, it makes perfect sense and so on and so forth. What was and they allow me to do my job. The conversation of leaving Cleveland, going to L.A., whose idea was that? Well, the conversation of leaving Cleveland, going to L.A., I mean, and, and I, I talked about this before, and I, you know, people just go crazy. But the conversation was pretty simple in terms of what is it that you want to do? If you want to stay here, let's stay here. But if you want to go somewhere, your brand is here. You only got so many options, right? We wasn't going to New York, even though New York, you know, was 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 an option. Was an option. Um, but ultimately, he had already had a place in L.A. And uh, I had the opportunity of spending a year here with because I had KCP here and getting a better understanding of the organization. Magic and I talked a lot. I knew Rob just through throughout the years and um his family wanted to be in la and so ultimately it became an easier choice but when we start doing the process of elimination it's only there's only so many places to go and you know lj gets bored about things or whatnot right. and people take that out of context but i'm just saying in terms of and i said to him now the only thing is we already, you came back from 3-1. You done brought a championship and you done been to eight straight finals. I think he went to eight straight. Yeah, he went to eight straight. Yeah. Four in Miami, four in Cleveland. The, you coming down off that mountaintop. Now, you know, when we, go to, when we go to L.A., it's all about championships. But all you need is one. You don't need 15 because you're not going to have the time to do that. But if you can get one, you know, and um, made a decision. And and that was and and that was it. Like it's not. Again, when I come to the table with something, I don't come to the table that often. So when I do, it it, it has some substance to it. So what what is your take on the the the, the player empowerment? We see players being able to. Oh, I'm not happy here. I'm going there. I'm not happy there. I'm going somewhere else. I'm not happy this. Uh, the James Harden situation. Yeah. What what's your take on the Harden situation? Well, I mean, in, in James's case. I think from what I understand about him, what he's said publicly, uh, I know James known him for a long time. It's a personal thing that he feels as if something was was promised, was positioned for him. And it's different. I don't know if it's totally basketball because I know James loved the game of basketball. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there's 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 some things that probably could have took place prior to. But that's up to them. I don't represent James. You know, but but yeah, it's a tough situation for him, man. But ultimately, when you're in these type of situations, 
the one thing that's very important that I think people have to monitor and understand is your value. Right. You want to keep your value up. And so you think about the value coming from the extension that could have been in Brooklyn to currently now. Well, we he's never going to get that money. We don't know, what, we don't know, where, we don't know where, that, where that is. Rich, he's not getting that money. What was it, three? It ain't months? for me to say. I don't know where it is. I don't know, but I'm just saying. I, I, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see him at, at that age wanting out of Houston, wanting out of Brooklyn, wanting out of Philly, and somebody trusting him to yeah. give him that money. You've represented a lot of guys, and you get close, you build a relationship. But how hard is it for you to part ways with a guy? A guy says, you know what, man, this it's just not, doesn't... It's not that hard. It's not? No, because at the end of the day, you have to understand you're not going to be able to please everybody. And sometimes we can work a very, very thankless job. Sometimes you could do everything right and it's not good enough because, again, our athletes are being taught a certain way. They're being taught. Everybody should be doing stuff for you for free. They're being taught that. Come play for my AAU team. I'm going to give you this. Your, your parents can fly on us. Mm -hmm. they can, so now you build your habits up when it comes to doing business. And, and it's a talent, right? right. So now... If anybody has an entitlement to that talent, that's like the steering wheel of the car. So now, well, what are you doing? He's scoring the points. What are you doing? We don't only work on July 1st. We work all year round, but it's not looked at like that. So right. you have to start to distinguish and yourself from who actually values you and values your expertise because treat me the same way you treat that person sitting behind the counter at the Louis Vuitton cash register they ain't giving you no discount you ain't coming to them you throwing everything on the, and you because it costs more and it's a thing it's just stature thing you want to show that you spent two hundred thousand at the store right but then when it comes to someone who your percentage they want to cut you up your percentage in half that 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 that, 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 don't, that don't make sense to me right. right but but this is what's happening in the space right and for those that for those that lead with that, because there's a lot of companies that lead with that, they do it playing on the ego that I'm so good that they want to work for less right. because I'm so good. But when you think about life, nothing else in life works like that. If you need heart surgery, you you want a discount? <laughs> you want the best. I'm just asking. I am not. You got Club Shay Shay, your production crew. Mm -hmm. You want you want to just get some guys off the street? No, hell no. Again, but only in sports is where they can feed the ego mm -hmm. so much that it causes you to have bad business practice. Now, people may say, oh, you're just saying that it's self-serving. No, it's in anything, anything you do in life that's worthy. There's no shortcut to that, right? You go up in Hermes, you can't even buy nothing. By the way, no, you know, you, you want to buy a bag? This is my, no, no matter how much money you got. You ain't no, this is my point. So that's what I'm saying. But you, but, but when they can't get it there, they go and pay what? Double over. and triple. Yes. You get what I'm saying? They play over retail. So that's, I, my thing is just about respect. I, I mean, I can't say what other people do and don't do. It's just, but for me, it's just, it's, so it's not that, it's not that hard when, if it's not working out, then it don't work out. I'm going to get you out of here on this one. And you're the closest to the story, so you would know. 
What is with the vitriol of the older players towards LeBron? It seems like, and it seems like a lot of the old players don't want to give these younger, this younger generation the credit that they deserve. Yeah. But it seems like a lot of the ire is pointed at 23. Why well, do you think that is? It's really corny to me. I don't, absolutely. And I, like I said, you know, and when you out there, you deal with certain things. It's, it's, it's layered, in my opinion. You gotta remember, when LeBron came in, a lot of guys were still in their prime. And all the attention turned to him. In 2000, since to, all the attention, boom. $100 million contract, real $100 million, not that fluff that be going out today. I'm talking about a $100 million contract. Never dribbled NBA basketball in the NBA. They ain't never seen nothing like that. You know, Jay-Z sending a private jet when he's in high school. We going up to New York every weekend, every other weekend, whatever, when you could. You know right. what I'm saying? All these things, they wasn't. And so quite naturally in the neighborhood, you develop what? An envy. It, it's, it's, it's much easier for you to be like, man, that's some cold, man. That's, some, that's player. That's real player, man. I appreciate that. I'm, a pr I'm proud of you. That's the hardest thing to do. The easiest thing to do is what they do. Ah, this, you know, you have. And then now when you give that to a media platform, and now it's even trickling down to some of the younger players. Mm -hmm. You just, they purposely don't say his name in things. Oh, I played this because of these people. But again, if you, everybody didn't always had a mama mentality. The mama mentality came after Kobe was really done. Then all of a sudden, everybody had the right. mama mentality. Because the mama but, mentality, everybody frowned upon it because yeah. they say he was ball hogging. Yeah, but when he was playing, because I was there, we said, when, he wasn't hanging out with none of these guys. You know, you get what I'm saying? I do. But it, I'm not surprised because I come from it. I wish it was different, but I'm not surprised because I come from it. But what impresses me more is that guy don't do unto those what they do to him. His door's always been open. Every time you see somebody, man, what's up? Show love, etc. Even when there's just Is he too nice? Because too nice. Because Jordan, because Jordan gave the players, he played it with it, but he yeah. like, I ain't fooling with y'all. Kobe really didn't fool with But you gotta him. understand some familiarity breed disrespect. And I tell him that sometimes. They can walk past somebody and don't even speak that make that person want to speak to you more. If you speak to that person every time, mm. it becomes, and that's, that's the treatment that he gets right. sometimes. You get what I'm saying? They get on Draymond for being his friend. It's craziness, right? Right. It, but, but, but again, this is, this is not about, that's not an athlete thing. That's a people thing. And that's why I said what I said when we were talking on first take. We have to break those sites. I'm not going to do unto those others as they've done to me. That's not just not what I come from because you don't want those habits created. So is the Jordan LeBron debate ever going to end? It ain't going to end, but Brown's a goat. Jordan a goat, but Brown's a goat. One and guy Steph go, Curry one changed guy, the game. One, one, one guy got gold horns, the other guy got platinum horns. Yeah. My guy got a little platinum in his, but it's like platinum and gold. And then Brown's all platinum. Lucky me, a yeah. memoir of changing the odds, Rich Paul. Yeah. Appreciate Thanks, it. Bro. Thank you. Thank you. All my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. Want a slice, got to roll the dice. That's why, all my life, I've been grinding all my life. Look, all my life, been grinding all my life. Sacrifice, hustle, pay the price. 
want a slice Got to roll the dice, that's why All my life, I've been grinding all my life Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. We did, but honestly, I was left with more questions than answers, Tony. I'm Tony Cam Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. And I'm Michael Costa, comedian from The Daily Show. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1. Our F1 102, if you will. And get all of the answers. All of them? Listen to Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games With Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Tao of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story, and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Tao of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.